from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome filmmaker Michael Bizzano. Michael is an independent filmmaker and a proud New Yorker. He recently created a nine-episode web series called Lockdown Living that takes a dark, comedic look into lessons learned from the 2020 quarantine. His short films, The Replacement and Say No to Driftwalking, were festival favorites, including at the Inwood Film Festival. Michael's first feature project, Exposure 36, where he acted as lead producer, was released in the spring of 2022, and he is currently in pre-production for a post-apocalyptic thriller to be shot towards the end of the summer. In his first foray into directing horror, Michael is incredibly excited to announce Drifter, a slasher film hitting the film festival circuit this year. In addition to his narrative projects, Michael works as a producer of branded content for Vox Media. We're going to talk about his work on and behind the camera and so much more. But first, let me t- welcome you, Michael, to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's great to see you, man. It's great to be here. I feel like, uh, I don't know, it's been a long time coming to have a sit down, have a chat with you. I know. And just we'll just do it on camera and on and on a podcast. Well, <laughs> yeah. so, sounds beers this time, I guess. But we'll we'll, we'll, we'll work on that for the next time yeah, around, next I guess. Time. Next time. <laughs> it's the only podcast where people doesn't see you get drunk. But uh, <laughs> uh, but. Um, no, it's been a long time coming, and because you're so prolific in your work, you seem like you're on location a lot. You're in Texas a whole bunch. Um, yeah. You've been kind of everywhere, and that's so we're glad you nailed down a day for us. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, especially because especially with the merger for my day job. So you know, I worked for Group Nine Media, and we just got bought by Vox with a V, mm-hmm. V O X Vox Media. Yep. Sometimes it sounds like Fox. It I does, like Fox or Box. Yes. Yeah. Right. So Vox Media, and uh, yeah, they've been sending me around now that field producing and and on set on location shooting is kind of coming back after the two-year hiatus we yeah. had so it's been a lot of a lot of fun shoots but keeping me moving well saying that drift walking ranks up there as one of my favorite all-time shorts uh i mean uh needless to say you have a knack for storytelling through cinema um not that replacement wasn't bad or anything but like the replacement too and we like we like other works as well very different though yeah and um uh, as a new yorker saying that drift walking really hits a uh a very prominent chord with us absolutely. it's it's actually amazing uh, i have a lot of people from random festivals it's played at that'll hit me up on facebook sporadically like another drift walker today and ah. it's like someone I haven't spoken to in years. But like you coined the phrase. Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually really funny. When I first did it, uh, when I first wrote the script, I had it as uh, diagonal walking or something. I was trying to figure out what it was. And I had, I think, drift walking. It was either my brother or, or myself who came up with the exact term. And we were discussing what sounded better. And uh, Matt said, my brother, he said, yeah, diagonal walking sounds like a pain, but drift walking sounds like an epidemic. It sounds like a big problem. It does. And I was just like, yeah. And it is still, probably. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, I mean, gosh. Uh, so do you recall the experience um, that pushed you towards this vocation of filmmaking? Hmm. Well... A lot of things. I love movies. It's, you know, movies, um, well, in the arts in general, like movies and music were always very big in my house. And so I guess they're both mediums that tell stories. What was your entry point? Was it acting? Was it it behind the camera? What was your entry point? Behind the camera. I know, so me and my brother, when we were really young, shot a bunch of movies. 
with our action figures. So that would probably be my my very first. Can't wait to see those sometime. Oh, they're incredible. (laughs) One's called uh, Some Movie About Dinosaurs is the best movie ever made, where the plot is the Jurassic Park dinosaurs get out and the Power Rangers have to get them back in and, you know, it doesn't turn out too well for the Power I Rangers. I bet the rights issues would be horrible for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> I get, you know, it's one of those things I really want to find it and put it up on YouTube and That'd see, be great. see if it goes viral. Because it is an amazingly, like, probably terrible movie, but incredible. You know, for the freedom. Kids. Yeah, sure, yeah the freedom when you're a kid where you're not really worried or thinking about anything like, well, people like this. You're just making this kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel like as, a, as you get older, it's one of those things you... Like, especially in high school, not for everybody, but I think for me, at least, you get a little more insecure in your creativity, and then you got to break back out of that yeah. as you get older. Yeah. You know? But yeah, so I'm about dinosaurs as a kid. So that, I did New York Film Academy. I was always interested in it. I went to college, studied screenwriting specifically, and yeah, I've always been behind the camera. Interested in acting, but it never was something that I felt like, you know, I feel like I can contribute more behind the camera as like a person looking down and telling the story as opposed to being in the story. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, 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 what you took from New York Film Academy pushed you towards like a career or do you kind of like, I'm just going to dabble in it and see what I like? Like, like what was the, com- the commitment to the yeah. craft? I was always all in. It was always, yeah, I want to be a filmmaker. And then like the hard part was figuring out, you know, what is the job you can do while you're trying to be the filmmaker? You know? <laughs> yeah. Which as, as anyone, And filmmaking though, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Because I did... You know, I, I went to Syracuse, I studied at Newhouse and um, majored in film and specifically went to screenwriting because I figured, you know, that's where the story starts. So I figured I would focus on screenwriting, hone my ability to write screenplays. And yeah, and that was kind of the goal. I got out of school. I did some uh, PA work on big commercials. I took a side gig working for Syracuse in New York uh, as a way to focus on my writing and do short films, which I did do several of them. Um, but that lifestyle I just found very draining because, you know, so much time was taken up by a non-filmmaking job, you know? And it's, it's, uh, it's what I imagine actors go through when they're bartending all night and, yeah. you know, then they have to go to, to auditions. It's not easy. Your day job's your day job no matter what it is. Yeah, and you need the money because, right, you, you know, I don't want to leave gotta New York. Eat. Yeah, you got to eat. I want to have my own apartment. So I did that job for a while, and then 2019, I just did a big about face, left that job. Uh, freelanced in branded content and just kind of, you know, clawed my way into producing branded content, which has been in terms of inspiration, in terms of having time to work on my own stuff, in terms of meeting people with similar interests has just been this like exponential growth for me as a storyteller. Well, uh, I'd say in the last several years. Thank God you focused on screenwriting because that's usually the Achilles heel for every single film. Yeah. I mean, you go back to the whole, and speaking as someone who runs a film festival, yeah. it's amazing how low the bar is sometimes, uh, to be fair. Uh, yeah. It's like, just like, you just want someone to be able to tell a good story. Mm. Yes, if there's sound and there's, 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 there's light issues, things like technical issues, you need, those are fixable yeah. sometimes in post. Yeah, hopefully. Or, <laughs> hope, ho- hopefully, but you really have to, always says, you really have to invest in a sound engineer. You really yeah. have to uh, invest in a great DP. Oh, yeah. like, if you have those two things covered, you're pretty well suited, but they cannot make a story fly. Yeah. So, um, so kudos for you for, uh, for focusing on storytelling because um, I feel like your stories are so rich and they're, and, and they're even in the short one minute ones to the short form, um, they have a clear beginning, middle, and end, and I think that's very important to be able to get that point across. And I want to hear about the new story behind Drifter. Uh, so could uh, you talk yeah. a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so that actually, so the interesting thing about Drifter is that is the first movie that I've ever directed that I did not write. So, well, which is which was call a, me a liar here on McKay. No, 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 no. It's it's no, but that's the thing though. I think having a background in storytelling lets you yeah. look at a script and really figure out you know what are the beats that are like the big emotional ones like where, where you know how what is the energy what is the flow and i think i think in the end like what like you said it all comes down to screenwriting i think as a director uh you know well that and and for me i also edit a lot on the side freelance so mm -hmm. those two things i think is such a powerful punch which to have is like story a, shaping yeah you know understanding the movie uh in post as an editor how are you going to put this thing together and then understanding the movie you know how it was conceived, what is the story, who's, you know, what scene is whose scene, how is yeah. this going to go? Those two things, I think, really, just as a director, has really pushed me into a, right. a better place. So how did that screenplay ones. reach you then, since you didn't write it? So it's a very interesting story. So uh, I get back from Asia, Southeast Asia, in March, or rather February, early March 2020. Uh, there's this crazy thing going on in China. We were in Thailand, me and my brother, uh, after a trip in Vietnam. There's some crazy stuff going on there, but, you know, it's okay because we're just flying back to the U.S. We're Americans. Nothing can hurt us. It's going to be fine, you know. <laughs> we're, uh, we're safe. Yeah, so I remember the funniest. The funny thing about that was being like, oh, man, I really hope I don't get stuck on the other side of the world with something popping off so I can be safe back in New York. Little did I know, yeah. you know. Uh, but I come back and, you know, I'm ready to hit the ground running. I just spent eight weeks, you know, in Southeast Asia. I did a, a trip to Vietnam with my brother and my mom. Then my mom came back. My brother and I continued Cambodia and Thailand, uh, which goes back to what we were saying before. Uh, prior to filming, travel is the best thing you can possibly do. It's a shame it's so difficult now with everything going on. Yeah. But um, I come back. I'm refreshed. I'm ready to hit the ground running. I get back to my day job. And a buddy of mine who is a DP, uh, Nick DeLulo, who's an incredibly DP, New York-based, uh, he said, I've got this friend, Joe, and he's got this script. He's looking for a horror director. And I met Joe. We kind of vibed. We got along in terms of the story. He had this script. I read it. Um, I saw the uh, immense potential in the writing because I just thought it was a very interesting story. So he hired me to direct it. We had everything ready to go. We were going to shoot that summer. Uh, and then we had to hit the big pause button because yeah. everything, you know, that second week in March when everything just went to hell. I know it well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had three short films teed up, and all three of them were, you know, hit paused. And Drifter's the only one that came back a year later. Wow. Yeah. Joe hit me up. Um, and, yeah. And then we just went into pre-production, and we just started moving forward. And, you know, uh, he was an incredible collaborator to work with. Uh, also important. Very important, because I think as a screenwriter, when you're trusting someone to tell the story that you've labored, you know, countless hours, days, months, you know, I have no idea how long it took him to write it. But That's I great you realized that in him. And how long was the screenplay? Uh, it was about, I think, 15 or 16 pages long, maybe a little shorter. So maybe yeah. a 20-minute short then or so? It is a 24-minute short. That was close. Yeah. No, no, you you, you nailed it. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things I really wanted it to be shorter, but it's a horror thriller, and it doesn't rely... Uh, in my not so humble opinion, um, it's one of its strengths is that it doesn't rely on just jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. It's a lot of build and a lot of tension. Well, there's not a lot of historically speaking, there's not a lot of dialogue in horror films. No, uh, and so you have a lot of panning yeah. and 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 hopefully suspense building through yeah. shots, right? Yeah, and and you know and and and. Um, Joe, by the way, just so, so I can plug his name. Please he, do. Uh, yeah, uh, he goes by J O J O Mercota. And incredible screenwriter. He's, I'm sure, writing new stuff right now. We're excited to have 
this film go out into the world, Drifter. But um, yeah, we we just stayed very close on the creative. And, you know, I had ideas that he was open to hearing. He had ideas that I was open to hearing. And a lot of it was very much a collaboration uh, throughout the entire process, which was great. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and so what's the log line of it? Can you give us the quick the quick dirty what's about before we see it before we but don't spoil anything, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so basically, um, it's a it's about a, a, a loner a woman. She kind of works as a fixer upper. You know, you hire work for hire. So loner woman who's got these murderous fantasies uh, and she feels powerless in the world. And then suddenly she sees this person and decides this is the person I'm going to start hunting. And we kind of follow this anti-hero through this path of awaken it, awaken, uh, awakening and then. You know, things just don't go as uh, as their plan. A lot of twists, a lot Excellent. of interesting twists. All right, and yeah. it's going to be hitting the festival circuit this time around. Yeah, we just started submitting to festivals in the last couple of weeks, okay. and uh, we're actually going to have our New York City premiere at the Chain Film Festival in on August fourth. Great. Yeah. All right, folks. Yeah. All right, keep a lookout for it. Yeah. Uh, you also recently launched a web series. Actually, it might be August seventh. August seventh. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's on the website. I gotta. Yeah. It's my, it's my, it's like we were saying, I'm really bad at social media. <laughs> I put things in my calendar and then they just disappear out of my head. What's bad is that if you put it in a Google calendar and sometimes where you left off last time, you made me a different year, let alone a different month when you, when you, pull, when you plug things in sometimes. Oh yeah. They're like, oh, that's going to come up. When is that? Oh yeah. Oh no. Pretty much. That's the story of my and life. And then you use that date for everything <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. And then there it is. All right. Yeah. So August 7th, folks. Yeah. Um, so your, um, your pre-production for short is different than pre-production for a web series, I would think. Well, Lockdown Living, that whole thing is different than anything I've ever done because that whole thing was done in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, the writers, uh, for the most part, have never met in person, and neither has most of the cast. Uh, to this day, perhaps. To this, no, to this day. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, so... When everything shut down in March, um, you know, production shut down. And since I'm, I'm freelance, you know, working for Group 9 yeah. before Vox uh, uh, merger happened, uh, all production shut down. So all the freelancers kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know when, uh, when production starts again, which totally fair, understood. You know, how can they pay us if they're not shooting anything? So right. I spend a couple of days wondering, what the hell am I going to do? Um, and right before... Um, production shutdown i remember one of the heads of production ralph arend uh amazing uh, amazing guy very smart in terms of figuring out how to one of the many smart people part of the company because that's eventually when i went back to working we figured out how to shoot in quarantine so we had the beginning of these discussions before i i left for that kind of you know quarantine sabbatical if you will um how do we film and one of these movies he pointed out was this movie called i think it's called searching it's a whole movie that it's like a found footage movie but it takes place on a computer screen and i remember seeing this and being like okay this is something i think i can do i've got enough after effects um skills to at least figure it out if i you know don't know it right now so i i texted a bunch of comedy writers i knew from various projects um that i had worked on in the past and said hey i'm thinking about doing this thing uh i want to show run this show about quarantine stories uh, we'll meet every Wednesday for an hour or two. I know we're all kind of unemployed or, or you know, on furlough or whatever mm -hmm. your situation is. It'll just be something that we do, and I'll figure out a way for us to film it um, completely in isolation, and we'll just go from there. And that's what we did, and we, we sat down. We met from April till about June, if I remember correctly, 
just building out a world, building characters, building stories. Um, you know, who's the most interesting character to have in this quarantine situation? What's the most interesting story? What are you reading in the news? You know, one of our big episodes about Zoom bombers, and I don't know if you remember all the all the well, news sure, about, yeah. about the Zoom bombing. Like, uh, what the hell? The UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, the Zoom bomber, interrupted <laughs> the cabinet meeting. You're reading about schools. So, like, all right, so we got to do an episode about Zoom bombing. So we we created a bunch of characters, created this world, and then we just started filming it, and we'd film it over Zoom. Uh, actors would, yeah, the actors would set up their cell phone camera. Sure. Um, I had like a whole, I created like a whole like doc. Template is what yeah, you do. Where I'd email, hey, so this is how this is going to work. Um, you know, we'd have a, a Zoom reading. Then I'd meet with, or whoever the director was. I directed, I think, out of the nine, I directed seven. And then two of the other writers directed the other three. Um, or four, or two rather. Um We'd, I'd meet up with the, the actor one-on-one, be like, all right, let's find your frame. You know, this is going to be your frame when we film it. This Don't is the go background. outside it, please. Yeah, this is the background. Let's figure out a way to, you know, figure it out, like in terms of art, in terms of angles, in terms of lighting. We'd talk through all of that stuff one-on-one. What's your wardrobe? Right. Any props, I would just order on Amazon and ship directly to them because that was the other thing. I didn't want any actors to spend money. Right, so right. we did all that. We would do a dress rehearsal uh, on Zoom again. And then we would record it. And the thing that's crazy, and I got to give it to the actors, you know, there, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but in summer 2020, I didn't know what it was. So we basically had to shimmy their computers or whatever device they're on Zoom with next to the um, camera on their phone because we did a bunch of tests and looking directly at the camera was better than looking off camera. Like if you're looking directly at the camera, it felt like the characters were talking to right. each other. If the, you know, if you're getting like the uh, like a side view of their face, the way right. most people do when they right. when they do thing, it, it doesn't. The only feel way like of really doing that is setting an extra camera to set up on a tripod next to the thing. That's really the only way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. So we'd film it all on cell phones. Yeah. Uh, they'd send me all the footage, and then I would put it together in uh, Premiere and After Effects. And awesome. I got to tell you. Some of those, especially the, the the Zoom bomb episode where there's, I think, nine people in a Zoom in that episode with all of them, you know, separately recorded footage that I had to sew all together. It was probably the most challenging thing I've ever done as an edit in my entire life. I don't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, and, when, and we were all doing a new technology at the time, too. So yeah. figuring it out. At least you could record the Zooms, though, right? Yeah, we had the Zoom as backup. Right. Zoom is backup, but we, you know, it, I, to be honest, it it worked really well. The cell phone camera footage, was yeah, the footage and the yeah. sound, it was clear. They would just share it to That's me. That's what I'll be worried about the sound more than anything. Yeah, the sound was fine. You know, it actually blows my mind how good the sound was. Those iPhone cameras, you know, it's I'll tell you what, it's incredible. I, know. I have an eight, and my it does fine. Heck, heck, this podcast recorded on my iPhone eight. Yeah, um, but yeah, I can't imagine what a thirteen S. Now we'll get yeah. you with three different lenses and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and, and the sound was fine. It, everything oh. was good. And we'd, we'd record 4K if possible, and then they just they just either text me, email me, or airdrop, or whatever the whatever they do. They would just send it to me that way. Man, yeah. producing's tough. You yeah. make it look easy, I guess. Have I you seen that. the show? Did you have a chance to watch it? I saw one episode. I haven't seen the whole series. Yeah, check. It's all on YouTube. I have not seen... The Zoom bomb episode. Yeah, well, that was one of the ones I wrote, so I'm I'm a little attached to it. Actually, one of the ones I'm the most biased about is one that was inspired by my girlfriend and I. We met over Zoom in a writers group. 
the beginning of quarantine. And we started secretly meeting outside of the writers group one on one. And I remember during the our interactions, she got up at one point to I think grab a glass of water or something. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, what if she doesn't come back? Like, <laughs> what do I do? Right? Yeah, you know. Right. And then that's that's an episode that inspired I think one of the best episodes. Uh, this guy's on a blind date. She leaves. There's a crash, a scream, and then she doesn't come back. And he's like, what do I do? And he's panicking. So that's like our every episode kind of has like a theme. So that's like the thriller yeah. one. And yeah, I, th- I think there's a place for it for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, I look. I look forward to checking it out. I'd be fair, I needed a little break from Zoom. Oh, I totally. Had, I had a, I had, I still use it for work at times. Yeah. But I tell you what, um, yeah, it's it's not going away by any means. No. Uh, or whatever you're going to call it, Microsoft Teams or yeah. virtual. Even though we've been, here's the weird thing. We were Skyping for years. Then what the hell happened to Skype? Like, like, like no one even pay attention to it. Yeah. Like, oh, we're zooming and we're we're doing whatever, and it's like, yeah. Like, like, like you would have think you would have thought that like you know the caveman forgot how to use fire, so something yeah. like that. I mean, that was the weird thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Zoom, Google Meet, and Microsoft yeah. Teams. Those are the three heavy hitters. Yeah. Skype yeah. just kind of. What happened? Kind of Skype yeah. ahead of ahead of their time, and they didn't show up for their for their curtain call. I guess. I yeah. Don't know. Um, yeah, they should have been. It's actually funny when you look at the stocks for a lot of these companies and how, like, in 2020, they skyrocketed. Sure. And then they kind of just leveled off as, you Definitely know. now. Yeah, yeah. Life is coming back to normal. No, it really, it really is. But um, to your point, though, it, it's definitely, it's going to be like that for a while. We still mostly work remotely for my day job. Like, we go in for sets and we're encouraged to go to the office. But with the way the freaking, uh, what do you call it, the variants keep popping up. It's, yeah. Everything's still sort of in limbo. At least another year and a half, I think, if not longer. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, like, I guess the Spanish flu, that was 1918 to, yeah. like, I don't know, early 20s, yep. maybe. So so here we are, folks. Yikes. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you knew us when. Um, yeah. So let's turn the subject to the feature film you produced, uh, Exposure 36. Yeah. Um, uh, I always feel like this podcast is a tiny bit educational in its aspects. So I'm gonna, this question is kind of part of that. And also, I want to hear about your experiences. So being a lead producer, <laughs> quote, unquote, uh, for an indie film can have a rather ominous and yet also an all-encompassing yeah. Um, definition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it can be very, very specialized, depending on who you are. Uh, can you share what was your role in the project sure. as lead producer? Sure. And, 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 and what made you, and also, what, why take it on? So, in short, uh, I basically ran the set. Um, okay. So, you could also say I was the production manager, but I, I, if I was to choose between one and the other, I'd say lead producer because I did have a little bit of a... A creative role in the sense that when the director was like, hey, what do you think about this? I'd be the guy he would usually turn to other than the other two producers that were also on set. Um, that said, they had other things that they were doing when they were on set, which comes back to what is an indie film versus what is a studio film. So uh, Mackenzie Morrow, a guy I know from college, a, a close friend of mine, um, he wrote it, he directed it, um, you know, and he came and said, hey, I'm going to do a feature. We did a lot of things together over the years uh, in terms of projects. Um, him and his younger brother, Montgomery Morrow, and Tanner. Um, I'm totally blanking on his last name right now. Sorry, Tanner. But we all got together. He and knows who he is. Maroney. Boom. Tanner Maroney. Okay, good. So um, we, the four of us, uh, Mackenzie contacted the four of us and was like, hey, oh, the three of us. And the four of us got together. And it was like, I'm going to make this feature. And it felt doable um, in terms of, you know, not having enough money, which is indie films, probably biggest curse. Although the more I do stuff, the more I think a lot of Hollywood films probably don't have enough money either. Can you ever have enough money? Let me tell you this. A movie? I've worked on Broadway and off Broadway. And, yeah. Uh, 
summer stock, yeah. community theater. It doesn't <laughs> matter. There's always not enough money. Yeah, you know? And then you, you, you like read about like what happened with Cobal and Apocalypse Now, and you're just like, yeah, there's never enough money. No matter what oh. place you are in like the movie making uh you know i don't know stage of your career there's never enough money um but yeah so we got together and then the four of us you know developed the script you know we helped mckenzie with the final rewrites uh gave our input on the script you know it's his script so he ultimately did what he wanted to do with it we gave our opinions on some things and we would sit in uh, pre-production together plan this out and then we got to production and uh mckenzie was directing uh, Monty, his brother, who was one of the other producers, was one of the cam ops. He also was an actor, so he's in some he's in a lot of scenes as well. Um, and then Tanner was the AD and kind of like the lead gaffer at the same time because um, you got to do multiple hats. So with all three of them doing uh, on-set crew roles, um, basically leading the, the production day fell on my shoulders. So I would, uh, you know, organize the meals, run the production, coordinate with everybody. You know, that said, it very much was a team game. You know what I mean? Because that's, again, indie filmmaking. You know, there'd be days where we'd be hours over and, you know, Tanner would be going in, rigging lights, doing stuff. So then I would step on set and into the AD role. Like, all right, you guys focus on this and I'll just make sure we keep moving. You know what I mean? And yep. so we'd all have to fill different roles at different times. You know, I helped lug uh, stuff up the stairs to the the third floor or fourth floor walk-up apartment we, we filmed in. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you have to wear multiple hats. But I think in the end, it kind of sits down to oh. I was the... One of the lead producers. I think that's a great takeaway for people who are looking to either embark on short films or or feature films or web series, whatever you're doing. But thanks for bringing up the point of like budget wise, like like doesn't matter how big the film is. You sometimes you just gotta jump in. Yeah, you gotta jump in and and you know leave the ego at the door. You know if you're if you're like that's the set. I'm 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 the producer on set. I'm running the set. Did I help the PAs carry shit? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. But I helped the PAs carry stuff, gear from the van to the set. Absolutely. I was one of the first people to, to, to help carry everything unless I had producer stuff that I had to do. Right. You know, it's it's you know, it all comes down to we all want to make this thing the best possible thing it can be, which, again, another point, you know, choose who you work with for one of these things very carefully, because yes. the last thing you need is someone who's, you know, acting like they're there doing a favor. You know what I mean? And then it's like, dude, you agreed to this. Uh, yeah. You know, stop complaining. It's like... Yeah. Set, set environment is very important. And also, yeah. to get to the point, like you're saying, a few hours over, timelines is just... You basically... Because the time is never your own. No. It's the either, either the venue is imposing something on you, yeah. or it's the availability of your actors for only this window of time over a number of days. Yes. Um, or your cinematographer has another gig they're doing at the exact same time yeah so you only have them for a certain time yeah uh it, it all you're, you're racing against uh, a lot of timelines yeah every second is money spent yep you know and and because that's the other thing right like yeah you're gonna do those films at the beginning of your career where it's all friends and like everyone goes and does it for free because you want to learn but once you start getting past that um you know you got to realize that the people that are on set you know, this is their job. Right. So you got to, you know, you know, people will do favors, but you also can't take advantage of it. Right. You know, like we no. like Drifter, we went over a couple times and we made sure everybody got overtime. 
uh, or, or Jay, who is uh, the exec producer on that, the screenwriter, uh, made sure everyone got overtime because you don't want to take advantage of people who are giving up their time to be on this set as opposed to, you know, the commercial that will pay, you know, five times what the narrative uh, short indie stuff will do. Yeah. Um, because we all, I mean, maybe not everyone, but generally speaking, in my experience, everyone wants to do narrative because that's you know, you really get to flex those creative ideas there. Well, good for the reels, too, if they're actors and things like that. Yeah, everyone wants to do that. But, yeah, and so you got to make some compromises sometimes if the money's not there. But at the same time, you don't want to take advantage of people. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All great takeaways. And thanks for expounding on that. And um, oh, yeah. but you never said, what was it about? Exposure 36. Oh, yeah. So Mackenzie's script. Yeah, Exposure 36. <laughs> it's a, uh, which is, it's on Apple TV right now. Right? Great. Uh, it's a. I was to pitch it, Michael. Yeah, post a podcast. This is what I'm saying. You know, I'm bad at selling well, myself on Instagram. You. I'm just bad at selling myself on the podcast. So, uh, Mackenzie's movie, uh, written directed by uh, indie filmmaker Mackenzie Morrow. It's on Apple TV or whatever their Apple streaming. It's Apple TV, right? Apple TV, I think, is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apple TV. And it's a uh, post apocalyptic um, film, which, by the way, we filmed in 2019 before, you know, this you know, minor apocalypse kind of hit us a year later, but it's about, uh, there's some kind of force that's eradicating, uh, places in the world. Nobody really knows what it is. And the movie focuses on a small time drug dealer in New York city, trying to figure out what his role, like what does life mean? And he goes after, um, one of his friends goes missing and he helps his, that person's younger sister find him. It's kind of like a last ditch effort to, uh, you know, find redemption as the world falls apart around him. I'm telling you, man, apocalypse, horror films, you're pushing all the popular Hollywood buttons right now. So I think <laughs> you just, I mean, you cannot go on a streaming service without seeing Hulu, Amazon, yeah. Netflix, Apple TV, whatever it is. I mean, you just log on and there's a treasure trove. Well, I say treasure in the sense of mass and quantity. Quality, well, I think, will quite vary of these... Yeah. Disaster, disaster films, apocalypse films, yeah. horror films. There's, a, there's. I mean, it, they're really, yeah. It, it, they're really, they're, they're, they're at the forefront of the market right now. Well, I and you know, I kind of think they've always been there a little bit. Like if you look at even big time filmmakers, like how did they get their start? Like what was Spielberg's breakout hit? Was it Close Encounters or was it Jaws? I think it's Jaws. Well, it's technically Jaws definitely dwarfs. As wonderful as Close Encounters is, yeah. I think Jaws surmounts that yeah, for and that's, sure. Yeah, it's a horror movie. It put them on. Yeah. It is a horror In movie. In the end, yes. right? 100%. Creature horror. horror, yeah. Um, Sci-fi Close Encounters with, yeah. with, with horror aspects to with it. The, yeah, with, in, in the beginning, in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know what it is about horror that can help, I've noticed, jumpstart people's careers. I think maybe because it's one of those genres that you can really get with a low budget. Right? And I also think it's very quite universal, too. Like, yeah. Like everyone knows, like, well, to not get ahead of a story is a wonderful thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think, and even even the horror stories that you, the funny thing, and then there's a genre of horror that wants you to be ahead of it because they yeah. like the gore factor. They yeah. like, they, they, or whatever angle they're playing, there's yeah, a different yeah. way of playing it to their advantage, right? Yeah. Again, going back to storytelling wise. Yeah. Yeah. I think just horror stuff. And, and that's the thing. I've been very much in a horror. Uh, um, I'm working on a feature now because I'm I'm ready. I'm going to plug myself a little. Take Here we go. Rest. All right. I, I'm He's ready. Learned, folks. I'm ready for the the jump to a feature. That's that's the big goal. So I've got a couple more shorts lined up that I'm going to do some smaller ones for fun, you know, as a way to practice. Um uh, uh, different filming techniques and whatnot. Um, I'm doing this horror post-apocalypse thing that my uh, partner 
uh, girlfriend, Sarah Seeds, a uh, wonderful actress, love her to death. Uh, she's incredible. Um, she wrote this and we're going to film. That's the one we're filming at the end of August. Um, and then after that, it's, I'm, I think I'm turning my sights on the feature, the big move. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's going to be a horror. Ex- Do we have a title yet? Or no. a working title or anything? I am terrible with titles. Oh, well, well, I say, have the baby first. You can name it later. Finish, exactly. Finish the show. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah, exactly. Project X. Remember Blue Harvest? That was Star Wars, right? So I mean, you could, it could be it could be whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, Michael, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and before we say goodbye, where can people go to find out more about your current and forthcoming projects? Uh, MichaelPizano.com. Uh, my website that is not updated yet. It needs to be updated. But I do have everything on it. I did go on there and just throw up pages onto it. Like there's a drifter thing. There's a lockdown living thing. Lockdown living you can find on YouTube. Just Google lockdown living uh, web series and you'll find it. Um, I'm on Instagram with a link tree link in my bio that's got links to all of my stuff, including uh, some of the articles that were written about lockdown living when it came out. Um, You'll also find links to Exposure 36. Uh, but again, that's Apple TV. Uh, but yeah. Um, and, and you know, once I fulfill my promise of being better at social media, that'll be probably the place to find everything. But michaelpisano.com is the the place you can... You, and you might even find a link to this podcast, perhaps. Yeah. When you update this page. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I pr- you know what? Throw in the gauntlet right now. I will do it. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's all about you. That's what we do this. We want to push you out there because you're one of our favorite local filmmakers, and uh, we want to help you keep succeeding and hopefully keep the collaborations going. Well, it was a pleasure, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one, uh, the next time we can get together, especially when we do that beer, beer bot podcast. Because that'd be nice. Have a beer and talk about movies. That'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be yeah. really great. Well, thanks again, Michael, for joining me on this artist spotlight episode of In What Artworks on Air. Uh, it's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in upstate Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now and rating and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here in Inwood for hosting us and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.